dirt shoes. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's awesome. All right, cool. So, um, how many you know that, all right, let's give an object a lesson. If I'm walking this way, and I'm walking, and I'm walking, and I'm walking, my mic starts feeding back. And how many you know if I get to this wall right here, that I am, the wall changes not, correct? Like, I can go backwards, I can go forwards, I can do all kinds of things. How many you know Jeremiah Johnson's not moving this wall with his physical body, right? The wall changes not. Now, how I many you know when you have contact with something that does not change, how I many you know that change lends itself towards, towards you individually? How I many you know God doesn't change? Like he doesn't, right? He is love. He is light. He is a spirit. And um, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Um, a good portion of, of people's lives, they've misunderstood who he was. How many of y'all had a period of your life where you misunderstood who God was? Me too. And um, as my life has continued, I've, you know, come to know him more and find out that he is a God of love and he, and he loves me. And that he died for my sins and he made a way for me and all his promises are yes and amen and they're for free. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. And we're invited in the family and we're not leaving the family. Um, all these wonderful truths. But um, when you make contact with something that does not change, then change lends itself uh, to our own lives. Now, how many know that many of us, how many know we don't like change? We are creatures of habits, creatures of comfort. If there's anything the pandemic taught me, it's that I love comfort. <laughs> like it took my appreciation for comfort to a higher level, almost maybe too high of a level. You know, I can remember when I first put back on pants that weren't elastic, I was like, I can't go back to these. <laughs> like I can't go. I must have elastic in my life. You know, like why do I have to go back? And so how I many you know that when you develop um, a level of comfort, how I many you know you like to maintain that level of comfort, right? It's just human nature. We have a tendency of not liking to change, but how I many you know that there is change that comes into our life that's good change, right? And um, how I many you know that no one is too old to change? Again, amen. How I many know Moses didn't even start his calling until he was 80 years old, you know? And so, uh, you know, God doesn't view age the same way that we view age. And so, but change is, is, is something that God wants to bring into our lives that's going to make our lives better. And, and ultimately, how I many you know the, the change that is happening is the fact that the, the seed of the incorruptible Word of God has been sown down into our hearts. How I many you know you received a slice of Jesus when you got born again, right? And so you have His DNA on the inside of you. And that DNA is working itself out as you grow, right? And, um, but ultimately, the goal is to not change you and make you like somebody else. Can I get an amen? How I many of oh, God likes you the way you are? He likes your version of, of Christ in us. Amen. He, like, he likes you. He doesn't want to change your personality. <clears throat> he created you like that. But what he does want is he wants his son shining through your personality. And, um, and what, what does the sunshine look like? What does Jesus look like? How I many it looks like the fruit of the Spirit? Love, peace, joy, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, all of these things, right? It's um, not so much how long your hair is, how short your hair is, whether you have tattoos, don't have tattoos, what kind of bumper stickers you have on your car. I mean, at the end of the day, it's how you treat people. That's what your spirituality looks like. How are you treating the people around you, right? That's the litmus test of love. Love looks great written in prose. It looks great on a bumper sticker. It looks great on a t-shirt. But how many of you love practiced is what makes us different. And without it being practiced, we're not actually that different. We just have different t-shirts and different bumper stickers with the same raging concepts down on the inside of us. Amen. So we don't want that. We want change. Um, I am more like Jesus now than I was 20 years ago. Amen. And I uh, certainly haven't arrived. I have areas of glaring weakness in my life temperance being one of them i've not been i've been eating all the chocolate all the candy all of it i mean if i told you your mind would be blown at the level of what i, I found i found something out if i fast all day and eat one meal and work out like a maniac 
then for that one meal, I can eat whatever, the, whatever level of chocolate I want to eat, I can, and still be just fine. <laughs> Three pounds of chocolate, no problem, so I don't think it all day. I'm not saying it's healthy, I'm not encouraging you to do it, I'm just saying that's where I've been at here lately, it's been working for me, and you know, praise God. Uh, but, how I mean, you know, that's not the ideal place. Ideally, I'd be more like my wife, and I'd be temperate and self-controlled, like Jesus is, correct? Jesus is temperate and self-controlled, right? And so, you know, Jesus would have one piece of cake, not the whole cake. Jesus would have one piece of chocolate, not hit your chocolate, your wife's chocolate, and your children's chocolate as well, as you make empty promises of buying more chocolate for them the next day, right? <laughs> so, amen, just being honest here, right? Any, anyone here perfect? <laughs> Everyone here have little issues that they're dealing with, right? Okay, okay, cool, cool. Cool. You know what the worst issue is? Is, is self-righteousness and thinking you're better than other people. How many of you know there's nobody in this room any better than anybody else? I mean, we all equally need Jesus. Can I get an amen? That's the worst kind of delusion is that one, right? Hopefully we're free from that, right? But anyway, how many of you know this is an area I could change in? Right? The question is, do I want to change in this area? Right? Amen. Just being honest, right? So, but if I did change in this area, how many know it would make some of the other areas of my life easier? How many know it would be wisdom to be temperate? Right? Amen. So, there's something that God wants to bring into all of our lives. It's, it's, it's called change. And the word that scripture <clears throat> uses for it is the word repentance. Right? Now, repentance is a word... That is fraught with connotation, and bad memories, bad experiences. Amen. How many know that word repentance has been used improperly for a long time? I'm talking sackcloth and ashes and tears and emotionalism and, you know, all of these things. And so, how many know when you've had a bad experience with something, how many know in order to have a good experience with it, you have to kind of take your past experience and crumble it up and throw it to the wayside? You ever ate at a restaurant and it was bad? And you thought, I'm going to give you one more shot. Anybody ever had that? I don't give you too many shots. Like, I'm a, I'm a two-shot kind of guy. If you're bad twice, you're, you're no longer on, on the menu, right? But how I many you know if you had a friend and you ate at this restaurant and you had a bad experience and your friend just went on and on and on and said, look, this place is great. You got to try it out. It's awesome. Give it another shot. I mean, when you walk in, you got to clear the slate of your mind and give it another honest opportunity, right? Well, how many know there are some words and teachings in Scripture that's been abused? And how many know that you got to kind of take that same approach if you want the value and the wealth of the truth that's in those Scriptures? How many know it's in the book for a reason? And it's there to help us and to change our lives. And repentance is not legalistic. Repentance is not evil. Repentance is not... Sackcloth and ashes and tears and unbelief in the cross and many things that it has been presented in the past. The word repentance in the Greek is the word metanoia. We, and the, you know what that word means? It means to change your mind. How I many of oh, you change your mind all the time? Right? So actually repentance is happening in your life on a daily basis. <clears throat> You're changing your mind. See, let's go to what the word meant, not what everybody packed around it. Because Jesus majored on this concept of repentance. In fact, it was one of the primary things that he taught when he started preaching the kingdom. How I many you know everywhere Jesus went, he said, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. How I many you know he came preaching the kingdom? And what he was saying was, everything's about to change. Because I'm here. You've been waiting on me for thousands of years. I'm here. It's all about to change. How many know people were finally going to get a clear picture of what God looked like? Because he sure enough didn't look like a Pharisee or a Sadducee. Can I get an amen? How many know if, how many know if people thought that God looked like the Pharisees and Sadducees, how many know that they had a very sore picture of who God really was? But then here comes Jesus, and he says, look, the kingdom of heaven is here. The king is here. Change your mind about who God is. 
change your mind about what God is doing. Metanoia. Amen? And so Jesus came preaching this message of repentance, this message of change, this message of presenting something new. How I many know oh, Jesus freaked everybody out? I love that about Jesus. Jesus did not care what everybody else was doing ever. He did what he wanted to do all the time. And the only thing he wanted to do was do what his father was telling him to do. But how many know that he rejected the status quo on a regular basis? Like all of a sudden, his disciple, you know, he's healing on the Sabbath. His disciples are eating corn on the Sabbath. These guys are not washing their hands. Jesus is <clears throat> spending time with the, with the prostitutes and the sinners. And Jesus is eating with, you know, tax collectors. And Jesus is doing miracles and signs and wonders and healing the sick. And he's saying, look, everything's about to change. The kingdom is here. Change your mind. How many know that he was presenting to fallen man the opportunity to step into a kingdom that was going to last longer than earth? To a kingdom that was going to last longer than the Roman Empire. Everybody was wigged out about the Roman Empire. He's like, oh yeah, oh, yeah, oh, that's great. They'll be gone in a couple thousand years. I'm giving you a kingdom that's eternal. I'm giving you a kingdom that's beyond Caesar. That's beyond Pharaoh. How many of all those guys tried to say they were gods? How many know they weren't gods? Gods don't die. Our God came presenting a kingdom that does not die. Amen? And he said, but in order to get into this kingdom, you've got to repent or you've got to change your mind. Now, when people talk about repentance, they always talk about behavior, 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 behavior. But what I want you to understand, there's a greater repentance than what a man does. The greater repentance is what does the man believe? That's the greatest repentance. God didn't come after your behavior as much as he's come after your heart. He wants your heart. And when he has your heart, your behavior will follow suit. But your behavior is not the most important thing. The most important thing is your heart. When he caught the woman in the act of when they caught the woman in the act of adultery and they presented and they threw her down before Jesus, Jesus did not come to her demanding repentance before he gave her forgiveness. This is what he said. Neither actually said, Woman, where are your accusers? Who are the people that are accusing you? I mean, oh, the, they were trying to accuse her and stone her, right? He took the law and did it for what the purpose of the law was actually for. It's not graded on a curve. It's not used to beat people up with. It's to make everybody guilty so everyone can re equally receive a forgiveness. Jesus amplified the law in that moment. Everyone was convicted in their conscience and left. And so he said, woman, where are your accusers? Is no one can accuse you? No man, Lord. No one has accused me. No man has accused me. Now, the, this here comes this. Repent and I'll forgive you. She, he didn't say that. Because he knew that her heart was what was really wounded. Her behavior was just flowing out of a wounded heart. She wasn't a bad woman. She was a hurting woman. So he didn't address the blood on the ground. He addressed the wound in the chest. And he gave her maybe something that no one had ever given her before. He gave her an unqualified, unconditional forgiveness. An unqualified, unconditional pardon. And her dignity. Because he removed those who were trying to shame her. When she got up and walked away, her dignity was restored to her that sin had tried to take from her. Because he says, there's a new king in town. So change the way you think. Repent. There's a new kingdom. I know in the past we would have killed this woman. That's how Moses did things. I'm not come to do things the way Moses does things. I take people like her and I turn them into ministers. <laughs> I take people like her and I exalt her into positions of influence. I cause people like her to be in my disciple. Can I get an amen? amen? Is Mary Magdalene any different than this woman, right? 
or the woman at the well. The list goes on and on and on. Jesus is all about res rescuing. And so he, he, he came, but he did, he came saying, it's time for change, right? So to get into this kingdom, there's repentance that has to happen. It's not the, not, now here's the thing. What was the repentance that happened in that woman's heart? Let's think about it for a moment. Here she is, she's condemned, she's in a bad spot. Neither do I condemn you. These are the words from Jesus. Go your way and sin no more. What was her repentance? She believed him. And she didn't feel condemned, and she got up and walked away. What the devil tried to use to kill her, she walked away from unscathed. What was, what, what was the primary thing that she did, though? She believed him. How do you know she believed him? She didn't scoff at him. She didn't reject him. She did what he, she did what he asked her to do. Because <laughs> she believed him. She got up and walked away. Amen? And so, the repentance that I'm talking about here is a repentance of the, of, of the heart. Now, I'm going to read you this passage. Don't turn there because we've already discussed it. But Matthew 4, 17 says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We've been talking about that all morning, right? We talked about the, the definition of that word repentance, which is, it, which is metanoia. Now, turn to Acts 20, please. And let's take a look at some specifics in terms of repentance in the kingdom of heaven. Repentance is not a bad word. It's a good word. It's scriptural. It's powerful. We need it. But we have to look at it through the light. We have to look at it with religion stripped off of it. Because if not, then it, and it turns into some kind of emotional response that really doesn't need to be. How about you can cry and do the same stupid thing over again? How many of that ain't repentance? <laughs> you can cry. You can, you, can, you can admit all kinds of emotional response and do the same thing that you say that you weren't going to do. That's not repentance. That might satisfy a preacher at an altar. That might satisfy your own conscience. That might satisfy those around you. But repentance don't happen until, until you change what you're doing. Can I get an amen? Right? And, 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 but it, it begins in here, though. It's not the action that's important. It's, 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 in, it's right here, changing the way you think. When I change the way I think, I'm going to change the way I act. Yep. Amen? So Acts 20, and in verse 21, it, it, you know, it says, Testifying to Jews and also to Greeks. This is Paul talking here. He's actually preaching, and he's laying out what he's doing in his calling. Testifying to Jews and also to Greeks. Repentance towards God, change of mind towards God, and of faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. Y'all see that? Repentance towards God, changing the way I think about God, and of faith towards the Lord Jesus Christ. What happened? These were Jews thinking they had to approach God based on their conduct. And God says, your conduct's not good enough. You're not good. You can't get here with your conduct. Amen. God says, no, 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 come through my son. Come through my son. That's the way I want you to come. Change your mind about the way I think. I'm not demanding conduct, perfect conduct from you. I'm saying, believe in my son. I'm a good God. I have good news. I will save you. I will pay for you. I will do it all for you as a gift. I just need you to believe and, and of faith towards the Lord Jesus Christ. How I many you know that's how you get in the kingdom? You believe. Who do you believe in? Jesus. Jesus how? As the Son of God that died for your sins and was raised again from the dead. All three elements are necessary to have fully believed on Jesus as the Son of God. Amen? So the repentance that he's talking about is change your mind towards God. God doesn't want the blood of bulls and goats. God doesn't even want your filthy rags of righteousness you trying to clean yourself up. God wants you to consent to being saved. <laughs> Allow yourself to be saved and believe in Jesus Christ. Amen? How many know that was the repentance of the kingdom that he was talking about? Right? Amen? And so, that gets you into the kingdom. That gets you into the door. How do you get in? By faith. By believing. Amen? And then, when you're, when, then once you're inside... 
that kingdom, um, then how many know God continues to try to change your mind? (laughs) He's trying to convince you that he loves you and trying to convince you of your worth and your value. Can I get an amen, right? He's trying to change the way you see yourself. I know that when I first came in the kingdom, I did not love myself or value myself at all. In fact, I hated myself. Even after being a Christian, I hated myself for years. It's really difficult for me to stop hating myself. I don't hate myself anymore. Amen. I'm thankful. That's a deliverance we don't talk about much. <laughs> Everybody's like, I've been set free from drug addiction and alcoholism and lying and cheating and blah, blah, blah. But really, an awesome deliverance is I don't hate myself anymore. And I I spent most of my life doing it, you know. And how did I stop hating myself? I repented. I saw myself the wrong way. I had to change my mind about the way I saw myself. I had to start seeing myself in Christ. Not seeing myself apart from Christ. Apart from Christ... I mean, praise God. But, but we're not even going to talk about that, right? With Christ. And so, I had to change my mind. And allow God. How I many of you got to let God change your mind? Here, here's the thing. You know what's hard about change? You have to admit you're wrong. And nobody likes to admit they're wrong. So, you're not going to be able to change without humility. <laughs> Because without humility, you can't access grace. I mean, God resists one group of people. Not the sinner. Not the prostitute. Not the drug addict. The proud. The the very design and nature of grace is frustrated when pride tries to take it. Because pride says, I deserve this. Grace says... Okay. <laughs> you want what you deserve? Have at it. I do not want what I deserve. I have been completely washed of any desire to have what I deserve. I want what Jesus deserves. Because that's what he's provided. And I know that it's, it's, it's the most audacious thing in the world. Please go ahead. Good. Thank you for sharing that. It's powerful. That's your heart. Um, hmm. Thank you, Lord. I don't want what I deserve. I want what Jesus deserves. I mean, because that's what works. Please go ahead. What is it now? Oh, yeah, we do. Sorry. Thank you for that, Casey. Thank you for keeping us together. It's good. Go I was ahead. just going to um, say specifically, Pride says... I can do it without you, Jesus. I can do it in my flesh, by myself. Yeah, 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 I think yeah. it's good to say, Jesus, I deserve your love, because you told me I did. Jesus sure. says we're deserving of his love. But yeah. to say, I'd, I'm going to do it with apart from you, in my flesh, yeah. that was the wisdom of the serpent. <laughs> no, that's right. It's good. Just turn it off and keep it if you don't care. Um, and so, if we want change, we have to humble ourselves. And we have to admit that we're wrong. Yeah, we, we ha- I mean, that's, that's where it comes from. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how much intellect you have. I don't care what you have going on in your life. If you don't have the ability to humble yourself and admit that you're wrong, there's going to be certain areas of your life that are locked into not changing. Because in order, because what, what actually changes you, right? I mean, we're going to look at a scripture here in just a little bit, and we're going to find out that this whole thing of repentance, it's actually a gift from God. You don't even do this on your own. (laughs) It's a gift from the Lord. It's amazing. It's right here in scripture. But what is going to change 
is the pouring out of God's grace on an area that you have to admit that you're weak in. Because he, he will... How many know He resists the proud but gives grace to the humble? And how many know His strength is made perfect in weakness? It's your vulnerability and your openness to correction that sets the stage for you to grow and increase in wisdom and change. And if, you, and if you've locked in your identity on always being right, then in order for you to even receive correction, you've got to take down something that you trust in. And so, what we've got to do, and it always comes back to this, we've got to push back from our identity being in the things that we do, or what we know, or anything external, put our identity back in Jesus, back in the righteousness of God that's been given to you by faith, so that when correction comes, I don't feel like my identity is being attacked. Because as long as I think that my identity is being attacked, I will defend myself rather than receive correction. Amen. And so, now here's the thing. I can stay prideful, and I can stay in control, and I can stay like that, and God will still love me, and I'm still going to experience His blessings, and I'm still going to, you know, uh, enjoy heaven and eternal life and all of those things. But there was a part of my life that I was not allowing the life of Christ to flow into. You track me? I mean, all, all, all the time He says, I sit before you death and life, choose, you know, blessing and cursing, choose life. In any place where I'm Lord over something, that place is limited to my supply. Yep. Yep. When I'm, you know, I'm, if I'm Lord over this area and I'm not letting God touch it, it could be the marriage, it could be finances, it could be health, it could be whatever area that I'm saying I'm, I'm Lord over, I have to, I'm the supply. And here's the thing, how I many you know, as a human being, you can't supply nothing. <laughs> I mean, your battery is dim. <laughs> And I say that with all respect because my battery's dim too. Like, praise God. How I many you know we need a supply that's greater than ourselves? I need an intelligence that's greater than my intelligence. I need a joy that's greater than my joy. I need a love that's greater than my love. I need, I need Jesus. I need his supply, right? So I can't afford to be Lord over an area of my life and try to control it because I'm too scared to let God in. You know why you try to control things? Because you're scared. And I, don't, and I don't say that in like a, in a derogatory sense. I'm just saying like, we got to cut the fear off so that we can start to trust again. Because as long as the fear is bound us, we can't trust. And if we can't trust, we can't be happy. Because we're going to live every moment trying to control disaster. Hold on, hold on. Give me one second. Every moment we're going to try to control disaster. And how many of you know that's where anxiety comes from? The anticipation of tragedy coming. Whether it be a physical tragedy, a mental tragedy, a relationship tragedy. How many of you know that sense is vibrating throughout the land right now? In people's souls, in their conscience, in, 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 you know? And so like... And what is that? That's the spirit of this world. That, that is, um, that's what fear produces. It produces slaves, right? And so now, as, as being someone who's invited into the kingdom, you've actually unplugged from needing that. Okay? You don't need that to function anymore. Because fear is not the best motivator of your life. How many of fear will tear you down? God has a better motivator. God has a better fuel. It's called love. And he's asking you through the gospel to hook yourself up to this love and let it pour into you until it starts driving the fear out. You know, and, and I hate that we come to this point in like a sermon or a message where we get to the solution. And the only solution I have to give to you is to listen to the gospel more than you are. Because it's like we... we we wish that we had this nice, neat little thing that we could click in place and solve the problem. But it doesn't work like that. God's not an equation. Your life is not an equation. You know, 
And, and, I, and I lay it out like this. How I many you know if you want to get tan, sit in the sun. Don't analyze it too much. Don't overthink it. Just sit in the sun. If you want to get free from fear, sit with the sun. Just sit with him. Talk to him. Get to know him. And, and coming to contact with something that does not change, love, you will be changed. And he'll slowly start to snip those bands of fear off of your life. But here's the thing. We could have gotten to a place of freedom and had the bands clipped off. But because of the craziness of this world and how crazy things have been and how everything's blaring and all the stuff's going on, we could have spent less time sitting with the sun, spent more time feeding on what's going on in the world, whether that's entertainment or that's fear and news and all of these things. And slowly the bands start clipping back up and the motivation starts changing. And we're spending less time in the kingdom of God and we're spending more time in the kingdom of this world. In the kingdom of this world, we're not kings. In the kingdom of this world, we are slaves. If you want to arise and ascend to your position in Christ, it's in the kingdom. It's not in what this world has to offer. Amen? And so, if you've gone back to that place where fear is ruling and dominating and, and, and back into that position, how I many you know it's time to repent? <laughs> it's time to change your mind. It's time to get out in the sun and let it shine on you. See, the thing about this book, man, it's like there's life in these words. And whether you understand what's being said or not, when you sit down and spend time in the Scriptures, it will bring life into your soul and clarity to your mind. And I'm not saying they can't be twisted and misconstrued, because they definitely can. I've endured more pain in church than any place else in the world. I've also, in, in, I've also enjoyed more breakthrough in church than any place else in the world. But there's a place of, of, of life that comes, and it comes out of, the, out of this, this, this contact with the Lord, this sitting in the sun, amen? How many of y'all want to say bye to fear ruling your life? You know what I'm saying? And anxiety and anxiousness and all of these things. I don't want that, man. Amen. Well, I mean, and, and in coming here and making a decision for us to come together, I mean, you know, you made a decision to let the sun shine on you for a little bit. And it ain't me, it's Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? It's never the preacher. We, we, how many of you know the Bible says it's him we preach? <laughs> him. Amen. And so, this place of change, this place of repentance, um, this place of receiving life and getting set free, Let's turn to Romans chapter 2, please. And there, so repentance happens as the product of spending time with someone who does not change. Talk about the Lord. But it also, there's also, well, and really this, well, the next thing I'm about to share is just an aspect of that. But it's important to be said. Romans chapter 2 and in verse 4, it says, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance, leads you to change, leads you to change your mind. I am standing up here right now, a product of the goodness of God. It's the goodness of God that caused me to fall in love with Him and serve Him. I can honestly say that. It's not, not I mean, I may have came into the kingdom initially as the product of fear, you know, because people were, you know, scaring me and stuff. But I, and that's okay. I mean, I'd rather be saved by fear than not saved at all. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, but I've stayed because of his goodness. Amen? And how um, I many know oh, goodness is a powerful motivator uh, for change? When you have repented as a result of God's goodness... It's a real solid work in your heart. Like, it's a very powerful work because when you receive something good that you don't deserve and that you did not earn, it has a way to change you like nothing else can. 
Time out. What were you going to say? I'm sorry. I cut you off earlier because oh, I no. was in a flow. It's fine. Go ahead. Share what you're going to say. Uh, it was just an example. Yeah. Um, I, kind of a testimony. Um, yeah. Well, you were talking about how we don't want to admit when we're wrong. Yeah. I, uh, I had to admit that I was wrong and um, that I was actually part of the biggest problem that was going on in my life. Mm. And it was a sense of fear and feeling like I needed to control disaster mm -hmm. to try to keep disaster from coming. And in the tighter, I held tight to it, mm -hmm. trying to make sure it didn't happen, no. the worse it got. And I ended up, even with a critical spirit that come in, just trying to make sure everything was lined up and everything was uh, pro perfect. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was hurting my marriage because yeah. what was going on is um, me trying to make sure disaster didn't happen and bad things didn't happen with us was actually making the environment so just distraught and tight. And yeah. and in perfectionism, the old thing that I thought I dealt with, that tried to rise back up on me. Yeah. And I was miserable. And when you're miserable, everybody else around you can be miserable. Yeah. And so I was dealing with a lot going on. And I had to say, you know, I had to listen to the Holy Spirit. He yeah. just kept saying, you know, uh, think of what you're grateful for. Your attitude, you hate your attitude right now. Your attitude is based on your level of gratitude. I kept yeah. remembering you saying that. Yeah. I'm like, okay, so I need to think about the things I'm grateful for. Switch my mind. I need to let you change my mind. Good. Let you show me what is good yeah. because all I'm seeing is what is bad and what is absolutely possible to happen the next minute. And yeah. I'm scared to death of it. And so I let him start changing my mind and I started seeing what is good. And I even started saying, okay, I'm not even going to say what's bad anymore. I'm going to say what's good. And after that happened and I started really spending more time with just focusing on him and not on my husband or myself or anything else, just him good. love flowed through the house and it started oozing out the windows. Wow. I'm telling you so much love is now in our marriage so much love is flowing that we're we're sick with it we're like you don't even want to be around us right now i mean really i mean yeah. it's this we're so happy and we're so yeah. in love now because jesus showed us how to uh look at what we need to be looking at you know so and 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 so stop good. looking at each other even if something aggravates us on purpose throw that thing out of your head and say i love this about you yeah. You know, just say, I'm not even going to look at that. I'm going to look at this about you. I love this about you. And speak it out to one another. And I'm telling you, it has done wonders. I mean, a total 360. Okay. And, and the fear that tries to creep in sometimes now, I'm like, nope, I'm not going to think about that. Because if I let go and let God do this, Excellent. it's going to be okay. He's going to make this work out. And even if someone falls, even if I fall, or if, if my husband falls... He's going to work this out for my good because that's a promise. Excellent. And I'm just not going to think about, you know, trying to control it anymore. Excellent. You know, it's just been real, real life changing. So powerful. Um, let's talk about that for a minute. The, because we're talking about change, right? How many know that you do not have the ability to change anybody? I'm just telling you right now, that is one of the greatest revelations anybody can ever get. You cannot change another human being. Nor are you called to change another human being. Like, you're just not called to do that. You know, yes, you have, you know, your children. You set rules and set an environment for your children. But how I many you know, once someone's no longer your child, <laughs> you are not their boss. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? I mean, that's... And so Bambi was trying to change him fearfully with no results. Why? Because the attention and the focus is on the wrong person. Who can change him? Jesus. Who can change me? Jesus. Who can change you? Jesus, right? So rather, rather than us trying to go around and be Jesus and change everybody, Let's trust Jesus, focus on Jesus, and speak life. And then all of a sudden, 
you no longer have the responsibility of changing somebody. Now you get set free from fear, from worry, from anxiety, because it's not your job. So then as you start to do that, you start to trust the Lord, which fills your heart with peace, right? Then all of a sudden, change starts to happen because the Lord's doing it and not you. See, if we try to do it for Him, He'll let us. And, and like, He waits until you're done, until you're ready for Him to do it because... How I many you know that in order to allow him to do it, you have to trust him and not trust yourself? And you might not even trust the person that you're dealing with. But it's not about how much you trust them. It's about, the, it's about what the Lord's going to do for them. Can I get an amen? What, what you're sharing is just so, I mean, I'm thank you for sharing it and holding on to it. Because it's so, it's so powerful. Because um, I think everyone here, you've had a period of your life where you tried to change somebody. And you were miserable. Right? Yeah, and that's the next thing I'm about to start talking about. <laughs> yeah. Or, or like Brian said, and what I was, the gear I was about to kick it, changing yourself. See, this repentance I'm talking about, this is not willpower. This is not you drumming something up. Amen? It's not. You, you know, because what you did, baby, is you, you took the focus... You stop being Lord of the situation. Because it's wearing you out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's good. And so, but it takes trust to stop doing that. And, and it's probably not a one-time decision. It's probably a decision you have to make on a regular basis. Yeah. That I'm going to trust God concerning this situation. It's good, man. It's good. Yeah. She's right. No, you're good. No, you're good. Keep reminding us. Thank you. Go ahead. The, the, from the very beginning, the, I mean, the enemy became, tried to become self-sufficient. That's what his, was his falling. So what does he do with mankind? Tempts them to be self-sufficient. Because in his insanity, he believes he's self-sufficient without God. Yeah. So what did he tempt Eve with? Self-sufficiency. Yeah. Yeah. So and, we... And Jesus clearly said, apart from me, you can do nothing. He meant that. Yeah. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Yeah. We're, we were not made that way. We were made to be in fellowship with him. Dependent. Dependent upon him. It's good, man. It's good. And so there's a, a regular, but, but the thing about it, remember I talked about in the beginning, the only thing he needed us to do was consent to being saved. There's a regular submission yeah. Um, to allowing him to do it, you know? And when we are allowing him to be Savior, we actually have peace and rest. Yep. Yep. But when we're not allowing him to be Savior, we don't have peace and rest because we're trying to drum it up on our own. Yes, please. Hold on, get the mic because Casey's going to get us. I'm just kidding, Casey. I'm grateful. Because <laughs> people, people want to hear what y'all got to say. And uh, they can't hear you unless you have a mic. Ugh. Not to the people online. Everyone here can hear you. Just talking about peace and rest. Yeah. Um, I'm in a spooky position right now. And, you know, with my job and everything. And um, I took your advice about praying in the spirit. Yeah. And so I've been doing that an hour a day, too. Yeah. And it works. Amen. I mean, I, it's like you talk about something practical you can do when you're feeling afraid or Come you're on. having trouble resting. Yes. It's like I can tell you if you want to know, I'll tell you. I won't take your time now, but stuff's happening. Come on. Interesting things are happening. And I come up with solutions to my fear come on. if I just spend some time. And it gets above my the mental chatter that's in my conscious mind. Yes. It's awesome. Come on. So I sent you that stuff about how it triggers that thing in your brain. That's yes. Science. 
So, you know, it's like a part in your brain that nothing else triggers. They've done studies on it, and the MRIs. And Scientifically it. proven. Yeah, it's crazy. It is. And then, it's and, awesome. And not only that, I was reading uh, today where they were talking, about, or yesterday I got all excited because it, it was talking about how it edifies you. Edify means build up. Yeah. You know, like you build up a house. And it also helps you in your infirmities, which is weakness, your foibles, your faults. Your illness, yeah, your physical illness. Yes. And I'm seeing proof of that too. Come on. So it's like, I, that's awesome. I mean, it, it really works. That's wonderful. Thank so you for good. sharing that. Yeah, that, that message last Sunday uh, by Marcus was so good and uh, stirred us all up in that area and praying in the spirit, man. It's really, really important. Hallelujah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, that's good. And that's a practical thing that we can do too, you know. Um, but 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 shifting our trust from off of ourselves, off of a person, and getting it back onto the Lord—that's something that we all. That's a that's a meta, that's a regular metanoia. That's a regular repentance. How do you know if you're trusting the Lord, Jeremiah? Well, you have peace. That's right. That's right. If you are, the evidence of trust is rest. And if you don't have rest, then you need to change what you're focusing on. Now, because what the, a lot of times the enemy, and I share this all the time, but he'll try to get you focused on you. Well, God's not going to do that for you because this, this, and this, and this, and this, and point out all the things that are wrong in your life, right? Okay. How many of it doesn't work like that? Can I get an amen? Right? How many know all the promises in him are yes and amen, right? God's faithfulness is based upon his faithfulness to his son. You are in his son. He is as faithful to you as he is to his son. Can I get an amen? And so... When the enemy tries to get your eyes off of Jesus and onto your mistakes to show you, to, to make you feel like you can't trust God with the situation, you've got a metanoia, you've got to repent, you've got to change your mind, you've got to get your eyes back on Jesus and understand that Jesus is your righteousness and not you yourself. Can you get an amen? I mean, that's the kingdom right there, man. The repentance of faith. Repentance towards God and a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you get focused on yourself then you're going you're gonna to disqualify yourself and you're not going to be able to trust God and you're going to try to fix things in your own strength. How I many of you know condemnation will make you do things in your own strength? Condemnation will drive you like a slave, man. I mean, it'll just drive you. Oh, you got to, you got to, you better do this at the church. You better go do this. You better go, do, you better, you better. Man, no. Shut that voice down. God is not a taskmaster. I mean, the Holy Spirit is not a driver. He's a leader. He will lead you. The Spirit of God will lead you. He doesn't drive you. How I many you know a shepherd doesn't drive the sheep? We're not herding. We're not driving cattle. Shepherd leads, uh, tenderly leads the sheep. Can I get an amen? God's not, he's not driving you. Condemnation is a liar, man. And it has driven so many people to just lose their minds thinking they've committed the unpardonable sin, thinking that God's against them and God's mad at them and all of these things. I'm here to tell you right now, it's a lie. There is therefore now no condemnation to those which are in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen? Was the cross a success? Did he do a good job? Then condemnation is an, as an absolute lie. Amen? What is the unpardonable sin then, Jeremiah? Well, it says resisting the, Holy, resisting the work of the Holy Spirit. What is, what is, what is the unpardonable sin? Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Resisting the work of the Holy Spirit. How many know it's refusing to be saved? You can't save somebody that refuses to be saved. That's it. It's the only thing. If the ship is burning and God's telling everyone, get off the ship! <laughs> and someone chooses not to get off the ship, outstretched the hand of salvation is right there to them, but it's their decision to reject it. If they didn't have the ability to reject it, it was never a gift. If they didn't have the ability to reject it, there's no such thing as free will. How many of God has always given man free will? Because if you're made to do something and you're automaton, it means nothing. If I make my children love me, their love means nothing. If I make my wife kiss me, her kiss means nothing. It only matters when, it's a, when you choose to do it. It's the only time it has power. Only time it has worth. Only time it has value. You know, when 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 Eli, you know, Eli's funny, man. He's he's uh, he's selective with his affection. You know what I'm saying? Like he's he's just you know he's when Eli tells you he loves you, it's not casually said. 
He's saying it because he means it. And it rocks you because you know he's saying it because he means it. Now, in the culture of our family, we always tell each other we love each other. I love you. See you later. Love you. Bye. I love you. You know, whatever. It's just a part of, you know, whatever. But, but like, Eli's really not like that. And so when he says it, like, it has, it, there's impact to it. Or he comes and gives you a hug or something like that or wants to cuddle with you. You may ever have a cat that just doesn't always love on you but sometimes loves on you. And when they do love on you, it's like it means so much. Shh, the cat knows I'm alive. Just, you know, or, you know. Anyway, I mean, people can relate in different ways with children or cats or whatever, but, but how many know that, that, that your choice to love God means something to Him? It, there's power to it, man. It's a choice. And so He's loved everyone equally. He doesn't love Hitler less than He loves you. And that's where it's hard to understand. That's where the human mind fails to understand an unconditional love. Right? How I many of salvation was presented to him? Just like it's been presented to you. Right? Because God didn't find fault with man. He created man and man was beautiful. But man chose to go with an outlaw being who had rebelled against God. And man stepped into death and remained in death until the cross came to set man free from death. Death no longer has sway over humanity. Jesus conquered it. And the day and time will come in your, when you will no longer ever see death again. Death was never part of God's plan. It was never His desire, never His will. So, God didn't find fault with humanity. Humanity fell into death, and God had to rescue them. Come on, come on. He still loved them even when they fell into death. Yep. And the people that choose to reject Him, He'll still love them too. He'll never stop loving them. Why? Because He can't. He's not capable. He is love. Doesn't mean He can't be angry. You want to see a demonstration of my love? Mess with my kids. <laughs> You'll see anger. For my love for my children. Okay, get an amen? So God isn't this, you know, this wishy-washy, mushy, just lovey-lovey God with no anger. No, he's got some anger. And it's intense anger. But it's not directed towards you. It's directed towards evil. And towards the things that harm you. Amen? Oh, praise God. Thank you, Lord. The teaching is changing. Everything, it's like, the way I preach is different yeah. these past, like, month or so, man. It's just very different. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. I just feel like there's just light shining that we can see. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, me too. You know, like, I'm seeing it as I'm telling you about it, you know? Thank you, Lord. Well, we're not going to go into the nuts and bolts of this message because I don't think we're supposed to. Um... Amen. And you gotta you gotta flow with the Holy Spirit. So we're gonna chill. We're gonna be done. So Amen. And Bambi, thank you so much for sharing that. And for everybody that shared, you know. Do you see how it all wove together? I I like I like it when we can give people a voice.